0: The internet is an amazing thing, a storehouse of most of the knowledge that humanity has accumulated, easily accessible, and indexed. We find out new things every day. We even find out things that we thought were true, but aren't. Like the country of Finland. You think Finland exists, but it doesn't. Neither does Australia. And New Zealand's looking pretty iffy as well. In fact, there are a whole bunch of things that don't really exist at all. You leave the world behind and enter a large chamber, filled with boxes and crates as far as the eye can see. Welcome to The Conspiracy Conspiracy Clearinghouse, the podcast that takes a rather skeptical look at conspiracies and mysteries. Each episode will examine various conspiracy theories, most of which are not true, a few of which might be a little bit true, and even a couple that turned out, in fact, to be true. Now you see it, it. now Now you don't. don't. Finland 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 doesn't doesn't exist. exist. The The Theory. theory. There is no country called Finland. Part of the landmass that you see on maps is actually eastern Sweden, and the rest of the area is actually water. Helsinki is a city in eastern Sweden. Maps show a lie perpetrated by the UN to make people believe that there is a place called Finland. Sweden is in on it, and so is Russia. Nokia is really a Japanese company, and the Japanese are also in on it. Russia agreed to help spread the idea that there's this country called Finland to help out the Japanese and to get food for their own starving populace. In reality, it's mainly just water and the Japanese can fish there all they want in quantities far over international regulations and treaties because Japanese people eat a lot of fish. They eat sushi. The fish are transported to Japan via Russia using the Trans-Siberian Railway, which was built for this purpose, disguised as products from Nokia. Japan is one of the biggest importers of Nokia products, and yet no one in Japan owns a Nokia phone. As payment for this service, Russia takes a portion of the fish to feed their own people. They named the fishing grounds Finland as a joke, because fish have fins. Some say this started in 1918, just at the end of World War I. Others say it started at the end of World War II. Some say the Japanese and Russians built the Trans-Siberian Railway together just for this purpose. However, it should be noted that the Trans-Siberian Railway, was actually built between 1891 and 1916 under the Tsars Alexander III and Nicholas II. So, Also, as evidence, we note that there were almost no battles between Russia and Japan in World War II, which seems kind of suspicious. This is partly because Japan signed a peace treaty with Russia in 1941 before they attacked Pearl Harbor and before Operation Barbarossa, which was the Nazi invasion of the Soviet Union. By the way, this is true. The Soviet-Japan Neutrality Pact was signed on April 13, 1941. Russia broke it in April 1945 and joined with the Allies officially on July 26, 1945. The U.S. dropped an atomic bomb on Hiroshima on August 6. Russia declared war on Japan effective August 9th. That same day, August 9th, the U.S. dropped another atomic bomb, this time on Nagasaki, and Japan surrendered on August 15, which was formally signed on September second. So while technically the Russians went to war against Japan in World War II, they didn't actually have to do any fighting. The The Origin origin. There is a point zero for this theory. A point zero means that we can trace it back to a single source. This all starts with Jack, who uses the name RareGans on Reddit. His parents seem to believe that the country of Finland was a fiction, And they told him this for the very first time when he was 9 years old or so, repeating it several times throughout his childhood. So he grew up with this in his mind. In the year 2015, when Jack was 22, he commented on a post on Reddit about the weirdest things your parents had ever told you, outlining the entire theory pretty much as I just described it. It then took off, supercharged by Reddit like so many things are, and Jack's post got over 6,600 comments. Now, Jack himself didn't actually believe this. One assumes somewhere between 9 and 22, he learned that Finland does exist. But did his parents believe it, or were they messing with him? Some people pretended to believe this, other people did not. Some said Sweden was also using the fictitious concept of Finland to sneak in two Eurovision acts each year, one pretended to be from Finland. Other people noticed that the Finnish word for a heavy night of drinking in Finnish is ioporati, and in Japanese it's yoporai. Couldn't be coincidence. Some people who commented were people who claimed to be Finns and who swore that their country was real. Others were skeptical. Some said that the land joke with fish fins only works in English. The word Finn in Russian is Plavnik, but in Japanese, one of the words for Finn is, in fact, Finn. Of course, the Finnish word for Finland is Suomi, so... This became so popular, a subreddit was formed called Finland Conspiracy. Again, most people who were on there were being pretty funny, but some of the comments were written in such a serious way, it was really hard to tell if they were joking or not. Pose no, law, law and, and Internet, internet and Irony, irony. There's an internet law called Poe's Law that says if there's no clear indicator of the author's intent, then there is no way to tell if something someone writes is an extreme view or a parody of an extreme view. To quote Nathan Poe, who's the originator, who back in 2005 on ChristianForums.com was arguing creationism, he said, quote, Without a winking smiley or other blatant display of humor, it is utterly impossible to parody a creationist in such a way that someone won't mistake it for the genuine article. With all text messaging communication systems, forums, social media, text messages, it's the reader that determines the emotional intent of a text, not the writer. As with Poe's law, if there's no clear indication of how something is meant to be taken, people will then interpret it according to their own viewpoints, their own mood, their own contexts, etc. This is because there's no tone of voice in text, so the reader assigns that tone of voice. In 2017, Wired Magazine wrote an article about how Poe's law can be applied to quote, more and more internet interactions, obviously thinking of social media. They also know that sometimes people who really do hold extreme views will sort of hide behind Poe's law. In the postmodern age, we have something called postmodern irony, which is something is meant to be cynically mocked and not taken seriously. So you say something that you do not believe at all or not to the degree to which you express it. Take, for example, the film Starship Troopers. On the surface, it seems like it's very pro-war, very pro-military, very pro-death. But it actually isn't. It uses tropes from the Nazi propaganda film, The Triumph of the Will, and other clues that what it means to say is the opposite of what it seems to be saying. David Foster Wallace, the writer, thought that this postmodern irony was causing a serious breakdown in communication, and he pushed for something he called the New Sincerity. New sincerity means that something is meant to be taken seriously and not ironically at all. You just say what you actually feel, though you know that many people may not take it that way, but you do it anyway, especially if it's weird or unpopular. Look at the films of Wes Anderson, for example. It almost looks like they're being ironic, but they aren't. And then there's post-irony, which is a mixing of the two. Often it's expressed as sort of a feigned ignorance of something, so it's unclear if it's to be taken ironically or to be taken seriously. So you say what you actually feel, but with a sarcastic tone, or you say something absurd in a very serious tone. Think of the British series of, well, it's kind of TV and kind of movies, called The Trip, which is a weird blending of fact and fiction, where two people, Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden, who really are friends in real life, and also are competitors for many of the same acting jobs, go on a trip, traveling around, getting on each other's nerves, and also, along the way, reviewing locations and restaurants. Very often, Werner Herzog's film, Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans, is considered one of the ultimate examples of post-irony. And then there's meta-irony, a fourth layer of irony. Being a trip through the previous one, so you've got sarcastic postmodern irony, then you've got new sincerity, which is I mean what I say, then you've got post-irony, which is it's unclear what you mean, and this is a return to sincerity having been through the other stages. At this level, basically, all actual meaning becomes hopelessly lost. The audience and maybe even the person who's saying the thing are unsure as to what's sincere and what isn't sincere. There's no real point to meta-irony. It's simply showing a set of options for things that you might believe in or that you might choose not to believe in. It's something said with such a straight face, the audience is unable to tell if you mean it or not. Uh, The movie Fight Club is one of these examples, and the mockumentary documentary called Exit Through the Gift Shop is another one. I'm convinced that that was not true, but there are people out there who think that it is true, and it's impossible to tell. And finally, there is hyper-irony, which is an utterance of being kind of in the know with a world-weary cleverness. Think about the Deadpool films. This is very hyper-irony. So the subreddit Finland Conspiracy is full of comments that may or may not be serious in their intent. Here's one post, it says, quote, no real country could so consistently place first in education healthcare, gender equality, literacy rates, national stability, the least corrupt government in the world, and freedom of the press. It's a concept for countries and other people to aspire to. More evidence that Finland isn't real? Name one real Finnish celebrity. You can't. What about pictures taken from the air? They're doctored. And by the way, all pilots are bribed and all GPS signals are faked. So Jack put this up with a mixture of sincere and not sincere comments. But some people became angry. Both in the Finland does really exist camps and in the Finland doesn't exist camps. After some time had passed, he told his parents about this and he says, quote, they nearly killed themselves laughing. So clearly they were just messing with him all along and they never ever entertained the idea that Finland wasn't real. Why they would do that, I don't know. australia Australia doesn't doesn't exist read it again in early 2017 posts started showing up on reddit claiming that australia doesn't exist now probably this was an offshoot of the finland conspiracy threads somebody got tired of picking on finland and decided to go after australia it then got on facebook and spread like a bushfire this very possibly might originally have been the work of stockholm-based Shelley floord who wrote australia does not exist all things you call proof are actually well-fabricated lies and documents made by the leading governments of the world. Your Australian friends, they're all actors and computer-generated personas, part of the plot to trick the world. She put that on Facebook, it was shared over 20,000 times, and it received tens of thousands of comments. Emboldened by her success, she later went on to say that Australia was invented by the United Kingdom as a cover-up for the fact that they actually killed thousands and thousands of convicts, 162,000 to be precise, but said they shipped them to this Australia place, which was some continent-sized penal colony. Lots of people are in on it. Tourists who say they've been to Australia were actually flown to other islands or even places in South America and told it was Australia. Fake towns were put up, and actors were paid to pretend to be Australians. It may seem like it's unclear if she was serious or not. She certainly did it straight-faced enough. It seems like she's exercising a particular brand of Swedish humor, which often focuses on how the everyday and the commonplace can be extraordinary, or vice versa, as well as embracing a certain amount of absurdity. Reaction again to this was weird and mixed. Some people saw it for what it probably was, a joke, other people went along with the joke, finding more evidence for why Australia is a lie, and some people became angry. She received over a hundred death threats, ironic or not ironic, unclear, and thousands of threats of bodily harm. One man told her he was going to track her IP address to find her and hurt her, so she just sent him her street address, and he has never shown up. Some, however, seem to take it seriously. As far back as 2006, the Flat Earth Society was claiming that Australia was a fake place, a hoax perpetrated by secret government folks. Other Other Geographic geographic fictions. Fictions Bielefeld, Germany Back in 1994... Free web German Usenet users, Usenet for those that don't remember was an early online forum back when the internet was all text. German Usenet users had a joke that the city of Bielefeld, which is in nordrhein westphalia is a fictitious place maintained by the CIA and or Mossad and or extraterrestrials. Those that go the extraterrestrial say that Bielefeld University is actually the alien spaceship disguised. The theory posed three simple questions. One, Do you know anybody from Bielefeld? Two, have you ever been to Bielefeld? And three, do you know anybody who has ever been to Bielefeld? Most people answer no to all three. Anyone who answers yes to any of them is either a liar and part of the conspiracy or a dupe. We actually have a point zero for this as well. It all started with Achim Held, who was studying computer science at the University of Kiel. The previous year, he'd met someone at a party who said they were from Bielefeld. He replied... Das gibt's doch gar nicht, which means the sense of it is, I don't believe it. But more literally, it says, that's not real. He then posted this story, which he thought was funny, on Usenet de.talk.bazaar, and from there, it took off. One reason the idea took off was, strangely enough, a flame war that erupted about text encoding methods between the admins of the German Usenet and the ZNet's BBS, which was based in Bielefeld. Presumably, in an attempt to make the people shut up, someone dropped in the Bielefeld is not real gag into the argument. One reason the joke continues all these years later is that Bielefeld is famous for having no real notable features. It doesn't have a river, and it doesn't have any tourist attractions. In short, it's just boring. In 2012, German Chancellor Angela Merkel's popularity went way up when she was talking about a town hall meeting she'd had in Bielefeld, and then added, if it exists at all... She also said, well, I had the impression I was there. Bielefeld actually is a city. It has 341,000 people and is home to the Bethel Foundation Psychiatric Hospital. It was at this hospital that the Bethel Declaration was drafted in 1933, rejecting many of the tenets of Nazism, including their anti-Judaism and anti-Semitism. The staff there also refused to participate in the T4 euthanasia program, which called for the gassing of all mental patients in 1940 and 1941. They've actually taken to using the joke conspiracy theory in their marketing. The mayor says he still gets calls and emails asking if the city is real. So, in 1999, the city council issued a press release titled Bielefeld Does Exist. They released this on April 1st. And for the city's 800th anniversary, they temporarily changed the city motto to Das gibt's noch gar nicht, the original utterance that kicked it all off. In 2019, the city offered 1 million euros to anyone who can prove definitively that the city does not exist. Acre, Acre, Brazil. Brazil Since 2013, Brazilians have joked that a small state up in the northwest that's quite isolated called Acre, spelled Acre, but pronounced Acre, which was the last to join the country in 1904, either doesn't actually exist or is inhabited by dinosaurs or by aliens or is Brazil's own Area 51 or there's a space portal or Stargate there. Again, it's just an isolated place that nobody's been to. Molise, Italy. Italy. Also in 2017, another person on Reddit said the Italian region of Molise. Is fictional. This is apparently an Italian in joke and has been for a very, very long time. It's the second smallest region in the country and it's very, very sparsely populated with only 308,000 people in a 4,400 square kilometer area. North North Dakota. Dakota. There are also jokes in the United States that North Dakota doesn't really exist. You can buy t shirts that say this. Many of the same tropes here as in all the other ones. Who have you ever met from North Dakota? Have you ever been to North Dakota? Mm hmm. That's because it's not real. Joanna Valafka on her blog Joanna Unplugged, writes, North Dakota is not a real state. It's a government conspiracy and exists to house military bases in order to protect us from Canada. Canada is secretly a huge threat. The friendly nature of Canadians is just a front. It's, it's all, all harmless, harmless fun, fun. Or, or is, it? It, is it? In the early 1970s, psychologist Henri Teifel developed the minimal group paradigm. This looks at what the minimal conditions are for discrimination to occur between groups. Experiments even went to things as trivial as t-shirt colors and whether people believed hot dogs are their own category or a type of sandwich. He had people divided up according to things like this and then found that people, when asked to allocate resources like giving some groups more money than others or points, exhibited what became known as in-group favoritism. No matter how trivial the group was organized around, they gave people in their group more of the resources. His work has also been used to examine what's called out-group homogeny, which is a psychological thinking that people in an out-group are more similar to one another than those in the in-group. So we are all unique individuals, but they are all the same. This very often leads to stereotyping, especially in the case of immigrants. New New Zealand Zealand is being being demapped. There's another subreddit called Maps Without NZ with thousands of subscribers which catalogs all the many, many, many maps that seem for some reason to leave New Zealand off. The Smithsonian Museum of Natural History has a big world population map but no New Zealand. Many Ikea stores around the world have a world map on their walls without New Zealand. Maps of the flat earth usually leave off New Zealand. A giant metal globe at Universal Studios doesn't have New Zealand. For a while, Amazon's Amazon Worldwide map didn't have New Zealand. It has since been corrected. The 2015 action role-playing video game Fallout 4 manages to forget New Zealand on maps scattered around the open world of post-apocalypse Boston. New Zealand was also left off of a January 4th tweet from Defense One that showed the soon-to-be-new President Trump's national security conflicts of interest all around the world. And even the New Zealand government's website's 404 error page has a world map without New Zealand. Now, you may think, really? But it's obviously a joke. The New Zealand government is also actively promoting the hashtag, hashtag GetNZOnTheMap. Back on February 17, 2019, John Oliver on the show last week tonight on HBO made available a printable cutout of New Zealand that people can add to any map that they see that excludes the land of the long white cloud. And lastly, there's a very funny 2018 video about this being a conspiracy to steal tourists, negate the incredibly successful rugby team, the All Blacks, and to tank the New Zealand wine industry. This was made by New Zealand comedian Rhys Darby and the New Zealand Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern. Sandy Sandy Island. Island Then there's the case of a place that was on maps, but actually didn't exist. An island 15 miles by three miles, about the size of Manhattan, situated in the Coral Sea between Australia and French New Caledonia, could be seen on Google Earth. It was called Sandy Island, but when scientists went there to see it, it wasn't there. Local weather maps as well as surveyor maps said it was 700 miles pretty much due east of Brisbane, Australia. It was in the CIA World Coast database. It was on maps from all over and had been for over 100 years. In fact, it's first mentioned in the logs of Captain James Cook in 1774. However, it was removed from French charts in 1974. And then in 2012, a team of scientists on the RV Southern Surveyor were researching plate tectonics on the seabed near Australia, and they decided to go look at some of the smaller, more interesting islands in the area. It was on Google, but they had no photos. There was just an empty black space there. They checked the navigation chart, and it wasn't on there. So they had to decide, did they trust the navigation chart or Google? They decided to trust Google and sailed there to take a look. There was no island just water to a depth of 4,620 feet. So they officially undiscovered it at that time and it has since been removed from all other maps. Not Not the the only only one. one. In 1528, two Spanish explorers discovered a group of islands just northeast of the Mariana Islands, which they called Los Jardins or Los Buenos Jardins, the Good Gardens. They were reported seen again later in 1528 and again in 1542, but actually, they're not there. They were finally removed from the charts of the International Hydrographic Organization in 1973. In 1821, the British sealing ship Emerald was sailing between Australia and Antarctica when the captain, William Elliott, discovered a high and mountainous island which he named Emerald Island after the ship. When the 1840 United States Exploring Expedition came through here, however, they found nothing even though there was a captain hanging around in Port Chalmers in New Zealand who claimed he'd seen it just a couple of years before. There was another search in 1909, and again, they found nothing, yet it still remained on maps as late as 1987. A phantom island called Doherty Island was thought to exist in the South Pacific, about halfway between New Zealand and Cape Horn at the southern tip of South America, named for Captain Doherty of the ship the James Stewart, who discovered it in 1841. However, when people later went to find it, there was nothing there. It has been suggested, since it was so far south, that it was all ice and it had since melted. This phenomenon of phantom islands is not really that uncommon. Wikipedia has a page that lists 62 such spots that were identified as real, but later turned out not to be real at all. Even though this list does include both Antilia and Atlantis, as well as the 1906 Crocker Land, which turned out to be a hoax, so let's call it 59 places. It's not all ancient history, either. Six of these phantom islands were, quote, discovered in the 20th century. The most recent one was the Terra Nova Islands, which supposedly were spotted in 1961 off East Antarctica's Oats Coast, 14 miles north of Williamson Head, by an Australian research vessel. But in 1989, a German expedition to see them turned up nothing. There is, however, a very large undersea canyon there, which is now called the Terra Nova Canyon. not all islands. There are also things called phantom settlements, which are places on land that appear on maps but aren't real. Sometimes these are accidents, and sometimes they're what's known as a copyright trap. This is some trivial little piece of false information that's purposely included in a larger work to make it easy to spot when people plagiarize that work. Some dictionaries, for example, have made-up words with fake definitions to see if anybody is stealing their work. When it comes to maps these are also sometimes called paper towns and it's known that sometimes map makers make what they call a trap street for the same purpose in the 1970s a fictional mountain called mount richard appeared on county maps that cover the continental divide but there is no such thing they just wanted to see if people were copying their work the town of Aglo, new york was created as a copyright trap by a map company but then in 1950 someone opened a general store at that spot and named it the Aglo general store So now the fictional location is a real location. Not just just places places either. either. The German parliament has had a politician named Jakub Maria Mierscheid as a member since 1979. He's also an expert on the Stone Louse. He has a biography on the Bundestag website. He has his own email address and stationery. He occasionally issues press releases and he has a Twitter account. Neither Mr. Mierscheid nor the Stone Louse are real. The president of the Bundestag officially congratulated him on his 80th birthday in 2013. On that same occasion, his hometown of Morbach, which is east of Trier, opened a 16-kilometer hiking trail with 14 message boards along it that have recollections of his life and his career. He is the author of the 1983 Mierscheid Law, which shows a correlation between votes for the Social Democratic Party, which he was a member of for a long time, and Western German steel production. When the German parliament moved back to Berlin, there's a bridge connecting two buildings used by MPs, and it was nicknamed the Meerscheid Bridge. He's also a nature lover. In 1967 or 68, he wrote a four-part series about, quote, travel routes of the ring-tailed wood pigeons and its avionics in the Central Journal of the Carrier Pigeon Breeder Association. And he is also, as I said earlier, an expert on the rodent-like stone louse. He was created in 1979 by two SPD MPs, Peter Wutz and Karl Hesse, at a restaurant in the Parliament building. They were talking about one of their colleagues who just died, Carlos Schmid, and how they needed a worthy person to follow him. While listing out the characteristics such a person would have, they ended up creating the fictional Mr. Meerscheid. It's all a big joke in German Parliament while the English and French versions of the list of parliament members has the correct number of people, which is 614, the German-language one has 615, because it also includes Mierscheid. Birds aren't real. This is my favorite. The CIA was founded in 1947 for the express purpose of spying on Americans to make sure they weren't doing communist things. Secret cameras went into places like parks and banks, but then in May 1956, the director of the CIA, Alan Dulles, suggested to President Eisenhower that they could put cameras in the sky. Now, Dulles and his fellow CIAers hated birds already because they were always pooping all over their cars in the parking lot, calling them scum of the skies and flying slugs, and so thus a plan was hatched, if you will. Between 1959 and 2001, the CIA used 120 specially-equipped B-52 bombers, which were constructed in Area 51, to spray a poison gas that becomes a virus when it comes into contact with a bird, kills the bird, and then hastens the dead bird's decomposition. Using these, they killed 12 billion birds in the U.S. The name of this was originally Operation Water the Country, or WTC, but later was reclassified as Operation Very Large Bird. They didn't want to call it Operation Big Bird because they didn't want to get into copyright issues with Sesame Street. The 12 billion birds, now massacred, were then replaced with high-tech bird-shaped surveillance drones. In October 1963, President Kennedy was shown a prototype of the Turkey X-500, which was a specialized bird-killing robot that could target larger birds like eagles. He ordered the whole program shut down, so he was assassinated. After that, the CIA started making sure that only anti-bird candidates would win presidential elections. The Gulf of Tonkin incident allowed the US to justify going into Vietnam, which has large amounts of bauxite, and bauxite is used to make the robot birds. Secret underground facilities to construct bird drones popped up, or down, since they're underground, all over the US, including one beneath the Denver airport, They would trick people into working in the factories by spiking their drinks in a bar with LSD, then getting them to go work in the factory for a period of time. The person would forget what had happened, thinking they just had a really, really weird trip. The story goes on in quite a bit more detail, but every president since LBJ has been anti-Bird, and even Trump's border wall is not about Mexican immigrants, but it will be home to thousands of microwave guns that can track any bird attempting to fly into the United States from Mexico and kill them with a concentrated burst of microwave radiation. Sounds ridiculous, because it is. The whole thing is a parody of conspiracy theories created by a student of English and philosophy at the University of Memphis named Peter McIndo. It really all started at the Women's March in January 2017, which he attended, holding a sign saying, Birds Birds are a myth. myth. They're an illusion. illusion. They're They're a lie. lie. Wake Wake up, up, America. America. Wake Wake up. up. Someone took a picture, put it on Instagram, it became very popular, then it got onto YouTube, and now the movement has a whole bunch of people involved. They leave clues and hints all over the internet, but eventually everything leads you back to birdsarentreal.com, which is basically a place to buy bird truther merchandise, like a shirt with a picture of a pigeon that says lie. The money from the sales of these things is used to do things like buy billboard space and further spread the word. The website says they have memes, merch, and more, courtesy of the Center for Integrity for Avians, or CIA. In December 2019, they tweeted, The Earth is not flat. Vaccines work. Climate change is real. Chemtrails aren't a thing. We've been to the moon. Birds are government spies. Stand up for truth. Incidentally, they want everyone to know that COVID-19 is real, but many of the quarantine measures are simply so that they can change the batteries in the bird drones. Though whenever he's interviewed, Mick and Doe keeps a straight face and he insists it's all a legit belief, it's obviously satire. This seems to me like meta-irony. This is part of a long tradition known as culture jamming, which is a technique to subvert or disrupt mainstream cultural institutions and modern media culture. It looks like the term culture jamming was invented by Berkeley-based experimental group Negative Land, but the practice goes all the way back to the 1950s. They kind of took as their model the medieval carnival, which was not a whole thing with a bunch of rides and stuff, but was actually where roles were flipped or subverted. People who were high in society for the duration of the carnival had a low role and vice versa. Situationist groups in both Europe and the United States started creating situations, which they said were opposed to the spectacles invented by media culture. Some of the most famous culture jammers are the Merry Pranksters back in the 60s and Abby Hoffman. These guys did things like throw bags of money from the visitor's gallery onto the floor of the New York Stock Exchange to announce the death of money and then laugh uproariously as a bunch of high-priced traders stopped working to scramble after the bills. Incidentally, that's now closed to the public because of this prank. Parody religions, like the Discordians, are also a part of the culture-jamming movement. Abby Hoffman wrote a book called Steal This Book, which was intended for people in the bookshop, browsing, to read, and then, through a series of clear step-by-step instructions, steal the book and walk out without paying for it. Culture jamming often uses emotions to activate the audience, especially fear, anger, shock, and shame. For example, one jammer, Jonah Peretti, attempted to have custom Nike shoes made, with the word sweatshop replacing the Nike swoosh. Nike refused to do this, so he published his dispute with them in an effort to raise awareness of their practices. Birds Aren't Real is in the same camp. Tens of thousands are on the BAR bandwagon, and while they all seem to know it's a gag, I'm sure that there's at least one person out there who believes it's real. For now. In fact, all of these things probably have at least one adherent. And soon, maybe, there'll be more. Thank you for visiting the Conspiracy Clearinghouse. We're closing now, but we'll open another crate in the next episode. Until then, thank you for listening.